Hey y'all, I'm Allie Spears, and this is Ag Chicks, where we dig deep with the women who are helping to feed the world. Welcome to a very special episode of Ag Chicks. Today, I will be chatting with some of my favorite women in agriculture to celebrate the recent launch of the Pretty and Gritty Jacket. This episode will give you a whole extra 30 minutes of unfiltered conversation, so be sure to stick around after the midpoint as I continue to dig deep with the women who are helping to feed the world. So today is a very special episode. I feel like I always say I'm so excited for this episode at the start of every single one, but today is no different. I cannot wait to talk to the incredible ladies that I have on with me today. And we are really doing this episode to celebrate the pretty and gritty jacket that was launched a few weeks ago and just continue the celebration of women in agriculture. Um, So I would love to introduce my guests, Natalie, Stephanie, and Cass today. And I would like to start off with you guys telling us a little bit about yourselves. I know if you've been a listener of Ag Chicks for a while, you may have heard my episode with Natalie before, but she has a ton of new things going on. So I can't wait to catch up on that and kind of her new role. And then I'm very excited to have Cass and Steph on for the very first time. So if you ladies would not mind, maybe let's start with Natalie um, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Natalie Kavoric. My husband and I ranch in central Nebraska. Um, we, we run, I mean, we have a little bit of farm ground, but mostly um, beef cattle um, and pretty diversified. We have cow-calf um, registered background um, and also AI. So my husband loves cows and that is <laughs> where we invest a lot of our time. Um, about two years ago, I started sharing our ranching and family story online. Um, and I still do that today. Um, Instagram is my main platform. And then um, I also podcast um, on Elevate Ag um, with my business partner, Tara. Well, thanks for having us too. I'm Cassandra and I farm with my sister, my dad in Manitoba. And we also have an air spray company and our dad is the pilot and we're the ground crew for that. So, and we started sharing on Instagram in about 2018, um, just kind of to show that you don't have to look a certain way to be a farmer. Uh, and I'm Stephanie Lepp, the younger of the tulips, which is our Instagram <laughs> name. Um, yeah, I started farming when I was 18, I think. I went to college for graphic design and then didn't really love being on a computer all day and enjoyed working on the farm more. So that's where I kind of was drawn to and stuck to that. But I also did a bit of modeling um, when I was going to college. So that's kind of where the fashion came into play with our Instagram page. And then we also worked for our dad's manufacturing company for a couple of years. And we just realized there weren't many women there selling equipment or even looking at equipment. And we just wanted to share our story and show that women can be involved in ag because a lot of the men would come up to us and not really want to talk to us about the equipment we were selling. And um, so, yeah, we just wanted to share our story. Yes. And I think all three of you ladies do such an incredible job of sharing it online or sharing your story online in a way that is unique to you and your operation and kind of what you're doing in agriculture. And you all three have beautiful feeds. So that's something that I always use each of you guys for inspiration when I'm trying to figure out how to kind of portray my story in terms of making sure that it looks correct. Because I think, and Natalie, I know this is something that you're focusing a lot on these days as far as helping others to tell their story as well. 
um, and maybe you can speak on it a little bit. What has kind of been the biggest thing for you in deciding how to go about to share your story and make sure that it's still unique to you, but getting it in across in a way that others can relate to? Yeah, I think that's actually a really um, continued, uh, I guess, continued balance you have to walk when you're sharing online. It is kind of easy to lose yourself. Um, I think for a couple of reasons. One, there's a lot of, as you mentioned, there's a lot of places to draw inspiration from. And so you can kind of get caught up in how other people are sharing their story. Um, but two, like going back inward, we're all multifaceted people. And I find myself struggling with what do I want to show, you know, the humorous side of my personality? Do I want to have a more, you know, um, I guess, serious page that's more fact-based. And so sometimes I can get just lost even in how I want to show up, not even, you know, comparing to ways in, that the world shows you, you can. So I do think it, it's just a line I'm trying to walk all the, all the time of, you know, balancing what feels really right to me when I'm showing up on, because it can be really overwhelming on, on all the things you can lend your voice to. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Ladies, I don't know if you have anything to add to that in terms of your experience of sharing online, but I would definitely. Well, I really, I really relate to that, that you can lose yourself because we try to keep our page pretty light um, and fun, but we also talk about mental health and it is like a balance on, like, I really related to what she said there, like what side of your personality you show, because I definitely struggle with mental health and we haven't actually the last like three months I've really been struggling. So we've been like not sharing at all because I'm like, how much do people want to actually see this side? Um, and if like, I definitely relate to that. So then when we share silly stuff, it's like, well, I'm actually struggling in the background. So am I being real right now? <laughs> right. Yeah. It is definitely difficult to find that balance. And then like the silly rumor comes out later about us being crackheads, which we don't care, but like sometimes we're like, are we being too goofy and like not sharing enough seriousness? And then our page is extra confusing because we have all these city people for the fashion side and then all these farm people, agriculture yeah. side. And it's like, okay, do we show, what do we show them? Like, we're not gonna teach other farmers probably. So then we try to balance how much yeah. technical stuff we're sharing. And that part gets weird on ours because like then the farmers will comment like, why are you dumbing this down so much? And I'm like, but the people that live in the city have no idea at all. So our audience is very hard to kind of communicate with in that, in that sense because they're so diverse. Yeah, and I think probably both y'all's page kind of have that unique point that you're at where so like my for me my main goal all said and done at the end of the day is I would like to communicate with consumers however that's extremely hard when your page is about agriculture because it's going to pull in the people that are attracted to the agriculture side so I think mm -hmm. for both of you even Natalie I think when you started out with more of the western fashion thing that was something that brought in that outside perspective that wasn't necessarily agriculture based really more the fashion so I think you both or the three of you have really done a good job at that but can you talk a little bit about how I mean you did a little bit as in terms of the balance of it but how has that unique audience kind of maybe changed the way you've done things throughout time or kind of led you to do things differently maybe yeah, well, as the lap said, I feel like sometimes it can get in your head more than be 
right. be helpful um, because you are talking to different people who um, who really you could have the same message, but you need to convey it in different ways. And it does make it a challenge, which is why at the end of the day, kind of like you said, you need to really really be focused on like, okay, what is the true meaning of my page and kind of have that North star um, so that you don't kind of lose yourself along the way. Um, but I struggle with it all the time. That's why you'll see me come in and out of, um, you know, I've actually had conversations with my friends that are like, cause I, the same thing, I'm really trying to get more connected with, um, you know, outside of agriculture and um, especially with our podcast. And so they keep telling me, well, go back to your fashion, go back to your fashion. And I, I didn't even real kind of realize what I was doing then. And so it, it's just, it's constant, you know, online space is all about constantly evolving, constant evaluation, um, which is why we say, you know, we like, it's a, it's a job. Like if you want to share online and really do it, um, you know, consistently and effectively, it's a job. It's a, you know, it's a mental job and it's a physical job. And you're just constantly, I feel like you're constantly evaluating how you're showing up online. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And then you got to balance out like Stephanie and I went into this kind of with that plan that we wanted to incorporate the fashion to bring in a more diverse audience. Um, but yeah, like then in that we would have farmers saying we weren't real farmers because no farmer has time to take these pictures. So then we had like, it's just, it's a whole thing. It's, it's definitely a job and you definitely have to focus on it and put some time in it into it if you want to make it work <laughs> yes I feel like sometimes you can't win no matter who you're trying to, yeah you're gonna always have somebody who's upset um but yeah but, you definitely have to be strong in yourself yeah. to go online and put yourself out there and that was actually one of the questions that um, someone had submitted and they wanted uh, y'all to talk about maybe some of the harder days and how to stay positive. Cause not only do we all have agriculture, which is not an easy industry to be involved in, but then also the realm and world of social media is ever changing and not easy to be involved in either. So what are some of the ways that you guys kind of maybe push through the harder days or stay positive um, in these changing seasons of our lives? Um, I think for me, I think, our following, like our community is really positive. So for the most part, we don't get a lot of negative um, feedback. Like I just commented on it, but for the most part, it's very positive. But I think like if I'm having a hard day, I have to get outside and be with um, my animals or something for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, our dad is so positive. Like, I don't know, at the farm when things are going bad and like the weather's horrible and it all seems like impossible to do. He's, he never gets stressed out and he just makes it work. So I feel mm -hmm. like that's just rubbing off on me and I'm, I just am able to deal with more, I think. Um, the more I hang out with that guy, he's so freaking positive. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Um, we need and to yeah, like oh, go ahead. the online thing, if somebody's really coming after us, like there was a guy, who randomly every month would just say a ridiculous, ignorant comment. And I just blocked him. Cause I'm like, you know what? I don't have time to deal with this. Right. I think um, for me, one thing, and I would give this advice to people sharing online is learn to compartmentalize really well. So keep your online, <laughs> um, I guess, I don't wanna say life, but keep that online space there in the online world um, and keep your, 
you know, in life um, space and in life. Um, I think that's one thing that's really helped me. Um, I would echo what, I just want to call you guys the sisters. <laughs> I would echo, um, I grew up in a family of all women. So um, that, you know, my experience has always been way more positive than negative. So I don't have to, I guess I don't have like a ton of tricks in my bags or advice about really how to, you know, stay positive amongst the negative. Cause really online has been overwhelmingly such a beautiful journey for me and so many wonderful opportunities. Um, but I think learning to, I think the best advice I can give is learning to compartmentalize really well. So that if you do get some negative comments or a reel goes viral in the wrong hands or, you know, whatever it is, a DM that you didn't like, um, you ju it just doesn't bleed over into, you know, what really is important, which is probably your core family and friends, um, in real life. Yeah. And I think that was something that I think you, Natalie, may have said to me at Rural Rooted at one point, because I'm a very private person. And so to share everything online was extremely scary for me. And then just, but then having the reality of, it may look like you're online all day, but really, you know, it's 10, 15 minutes out of your day that you're posting stories or whatever it may be. Um, so I think that was a, a really important lesson for me is to create boundaries and you show what you want to show and share what you want to share about. But at the end of the day, you know, be ready for, especially in agriculture, if there may be some some kickbacks, some negativity in terms of just activist comments or whatever it may be um, when some things go unexpectedly viral or they're just, there's controversy involved. So you never know what's going to come when we are talking about things that some people are not going to be particularly fond of, I think. I always think of that saying though, that says like, um, oh gosh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't quote a saying that I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's something about like, uh, if you're, if you're saying something worth saying, someone will always kind of have something to say about it. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes that's how I know I'm on the right track too. You know, if you're trying to appeal to everyone and you're just putting out, I don't want to say like safe content, but you know, if you're using your voice for things, you're probably really pretty passionate about, it's probably going to come with, you know, some disagreement from one side or the other, but that probably means you're sharing something that, you know, needs to be shared or stated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And kind of along the lines of impact, one of the other questions that was submitted, um, I'm assuming by a younger young lady, um, she was asking in terms of impacting your community, what's a good way to go about doing that when you are still in high school or not maybe at the level where it's your full-time job? So I think that's a multi-level <laughs> question probably, but do you guys have any advice for something along those lines? Or maybe just not even in high school, but just impacting your community or the, the industry that we're in um, and maybe in small ways. It doesn't always have to be a big thing. I think sometimes we get lost in thinking it has to be this big campaign um, or something like that. I think, I think for me, um, the more education that you personally have, the better. And then you're able to answer questions and just in a more educated way and always keep it positive. Like if someone's a attacking you about something always keep it positive back and just like keep your morals about you I think that's a very impactful way to make a difference especially in egg is just be super educated and always answer with just facts not um emotion mm -hmm. that's just a simple thing to do and it's working on yourself too I think yeah absolutely well, and then other people see that hopefully, and they mm -hmm. interpret you as that individual. Mm -hmm. When I think of youth in our industry, I guess I always, my mind always goes to, um, 
which is maybe where a common place people go to, but, you know, 4-H and FFA organizations. So I think getting involved in that and, you know, kind of what Cass was saying is that, um, you know, knowledge has a huge impact. So um, being involved in those organizations and just learning more um, yourself so that you can go out and just almost live as an example of, especially for younger generations, I do think, um, you know, it's the younger generations that have a lot of, um, you know, these narratives being thrown at them and are kind of being louder voices in some of these, um, you know, narratives that are important that agriculture lends their voices to. Um, so I think, you know, the more grounded you are in the knowledge and, and secure in um, your beliefs, the stronger you're going to be able to live out those examples. So I think being involved and then just really equipping yourself with knowledge will really set um, any young person up to, you know, probably making pretty big waves when the time comes for them too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice in terms of looking to the future. I think there's a lot of people, youth that are seeing, you know, this advocate thing be really popular on social media. And so they're trying to figure out, well, how do I do that as a high school student? I think there's also, like Natalie just mentioned, 4-H and FFA is a great place to start. Um, there's so many opportunities through those organizations. And then um, I just recently talked to a 4-H group and they were asking me like, you know, I don't want to make a page. Like, what do I do? And honestly, like simply start talking to people in the grocery store. Um, you know, if you see somebody battling over which package of chicken to buy, maybe ask if you can help decipher labels or whatever it may, may be. Um, but going back to kind of the whole education thing that y'all just touched on for sure, I think is powerful. Yeah. And I think, you know, going, I guess, back to that little statement where they're like, we don't want to make a page, you know, almost have like complete focus on them. Um, I think it's really powerful. And I know I appreciate it. And probably uh, Cass and Seth would say the same thing, but um, you know, there's a lot of dialogues that go on, on other people's pages. Yeah. Um, and if you just even lended your voice to those a little bit, it goes a really long way um, in just kind of inserting yourself, I guess, into conversations that are online without, you know, having to be the one that creates them or starts them. Um, I just, there is, there every single day there's more than one opportunity to give a good fact about the ag industry um or have a conversation with someone who maybe you know doesn't fully understand it um and that doesn't have to be on your own page it can be on other people's pages yeah i think that's a a good reminder too yeah there's like you said conversations always happening in the comments everywhere so finding little ways to make an impact is still important so moving on to really kind of more back to the reason that I wanted to have this episode with y'all and kind of talking about, you know, the, the determination and power of women in agriculture. You know, I always say that I am not necessarily a feminist, but I do believe that women in agriculture play a very vital role. Not saying men are irrelevant. We definitely still need them to be a part of the industry, but I think that women have the ability to really move the needle for the industry moving forward. Um, so I would love to know what y'all have either personally experienced or kind of maybe even words of wisdom in terms of just the kind of the pure grit that it takes to be a woman in agriculture. I know it's kind um, of a loaded question. I probably should have sent that one ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. I think that our dad and our well our both our parents really like they just being a woman was never a weakness with them and that was like a really 
um, strong foundation to build off of. But then it was only when we got started working for Springland that we really started hearing that we weren't good enough just simply because we were women. And I think having that strong base of our parents just like not giving, not succumbing to that stereotype was really good to have in the background. And then, so when we started our page, we kind of wanted to be that background for other people because not everybody has that. Because for me, when someone was derogatory, it fired me up because I knew that my dad and my mom believed in me. Um, so it, I don't know, for me, it was really our dad and our mom and their grit that gave me mine. And I'm definitely a feminist. I don't think it's a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> I always um, struggle with this a little bit too, talking about women in agriculture, just because I also grew up, um, as I mentioned, I have three older sisters. And so it was a, a very strong household of women, of strong women. Um, and two of my sisters are on, you know, on our family ranch and um, obviously Luke and I run ours. And so I've just always been really exposed for, for me and my eyes. I've always been really exposed to, to women in agriculture in a very positive way, um, which is not to take away from other people's experience. So I think I say yell that in my DMS the other day, but, um, a younger woman in agriculture, um, you know, had some stricter words for me about thinking that I didn't, um, I should have corrected a narrative in agriculture have. Um, and that's not it. I just feel like I don't have a firsthand experience to really lend my voice to that. And that kind of goes back to our conversation about, you don't have to talk about everything online and everything online isn't actually meant for you to talk about anyway. Um, so, you know, for me, I've always been really inspired by women in agriculture. Um, I take a lot of pride in being a woman in agriculture. Um, and I think that's a really exciting time for women in agriculture. I actually just listened to your episode with Caroline Rose. Um, and I've been meaning to share it because I found so um, ways talked about, you know, how women in this space are needed for being women. Um, I could not agree with more. I think we, we just really lend um, a mindset and a voice that is needed in agriculture. And so um, I'm, I'm excited for, you know, this next wave of women to come behind us, not to say that they don't have maybe some things to come up against. Um, I just, I think my, I'm not the right voice, I guess, to lend to what it's like to go through some of those, you know, the major grit that's sometimes needed to, to make, you know, to put that female stamp on agriculture, I guess. Right. Yeah, no. And that, I'm glad you mentioned that episode. I thought Caroline did a great job of kind of explaining it from her perspective um, it wasn't necessarily a big, you know, experience that she had where it was, you know, it shattered her character or anything like that. It was more of a different way of thinking and kind of thinking with a woman mindset. And I think that changed her operation is that, and that's kind of how she explained that. Um, and something that I think I can relate to, and I think maybe all of us can in a sh one shape, some shape or form, um, as far as obviously we're all bringing our own personal touch to things, but then I think there's an air of you know, the, the woman mindset that can kind of help things move along a little bit better as well. Um, and that's just, a, it's a, just a different perspective. And so I think too, grit, obviously grit as being a woman in agriculture is such an important thing, but also just being in agriculture, I think it's just something you got to have. Otherwise you're not, you're not going to last long um, because it's not an easy industry. Um, and as much as I love to paint it in this beautiful romantic 
way online sometimes it's not always you know roses and daisies and happy calves in the pasture so um there's a lot that goes into it and I'm sure you ladies can attest to that as well yeah I would agree I think that if you're a woman in ag you probably were either innately born with a little bit of grit or you are you figured out really quickly how to to get some grit um but the last thing I wanted to say because I think for all the women listening about this you know conversation of women in agriculture the most important thing that I think I could say is that being a woman in agriculture means it's going to look different for everyone in agriculture and do not lose sight of that because you do not have to show up at, you know the sisters like to marry and highlight women as different how other women in ag we can't all show up in the same way we can't all serve our operations in the same way um, so just really cling to that notion that being a woman in ag is going to be unique to what it means to you um, and that's not only okay but that's 100 percent needed Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Yes, for sure. Um, and kind of along those lines, I don't know if you guys have any advice maybe for somebody who's wanting to kind of start their journey. I mean, I get a lot of DMs and comments sometimes from younger women specifically saying, you know, I either don't have a background in agriculture, but I want to be involved or I have a background in agriculture and I don't know how I want to be involved. Do you guys have any words of advice on maybe some of those ladies who are trying to kind of find their place in this industry? I would say just getting involved in different jobs in agriculture. If you don't have the farm or like ranch option to like your family doesn't own that, then just getting involved in different jobs. There's so many jobs involved in agriculture that you can be a part of or even farming for your neighbors or just any of those little jobs and seeing what you like and what you want to do. And finding someone who will mentor you and really focusing on the education. But a lot of different ways involved in the ag industry beyond agriculture. Um, and also remember that there's seasons to life. And so maybe you don't exactly but that doesn't mean, you know, in a few years down the road in a different life that that will change. So it's kind of that path start where you are, because um, you never know um, where to lead you. I certainly thought where I am in agriculture, so um, probably a lot of, you know, surprises in stores for women listening. Yes, for sure. I think um, if the past couple of years have taught me anything, um things don't always go to plan or you don't know where things can come because of being involved in this industry and being connected to the people that agriculture lends itself to so there's lots of opportunities um I know personally I was trying to figure out how I fit into the equation of the industry for a while and really the thing that kind of got me to my passion was talking to other women to figure out what they were doing and so that's kind of where ag chicks all came from originally is just because I was trying to figure out what to do with my life and then when other people were telling me about theirs, it kind of guided me in the right direction. Um, so I think each of the things that you ladies just mentioned are important pieces to the puzzle of kind of trying to find your purpose and your why and all that kind of stuff. So I think they're all very important. Um, to kind of wrap up here today, because I know you are all super busy and have lots of things going on um, with just 
the crazy schedules and lives that you all lead. Um, but I would love to hear if there is anything special that you guys are working on or would like to share about um, that's kind of coming up for you guys at all. Steph and I are working on a secret project, but it's not, we can't release it at all yet. <laughs> yeah, we're just like, we're not doing anything, but it's, yeah, it's a very- Behind the scenes is really chaotic and it has nothing to do with Instagram, actually. It's a separate thing, but um, yeah, we'll tell you about it when we can. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love those secret projects of like, yeah, I really want to tell you, but I can't, so. I can't even give you a hint right now. <laughs> That's fine. Um, well, good luck in all of it. And I can't wait to hear and see it when it's finished. It's a mystery. <laughs> it's a major I, cliffhanger. Yeah. I am very excited about our podcast. Um, Tara and I are actually leaning really heavily into it. Um, in 2023, I found such a love for the podcasting space. And um, I just think it's a really such a fun platform. And so um, I'm most excited about that. For anyone listening, if you want to hop over there and follow us at, um, we're actually Elevate Ag, but we're rebranding to Discover Ag. So depending on when you hear this, um, you may have to search something else, but we have a lot of fun over there and it's kind of my newfound love, which I never thought I would love something more than Instagram, but I kind of, kind of, I mean, Ellie, you'd probably test it. Podcasting is, um, I don't know, it's a, it's a really cool platform. Yeah, it's a different way to connect with people. And I think um, just being able to hear people's voices in a very raw manner is something that you can't get from social media platforms. So I, I agree, it's, it's unique and I like it too. Well, thank you ladies so much for joining me and thank you all for being a part of the Pretty Gritty campaign and jacket launch. I hope you are all enjoying your jackets. I know you ladies have snow and I know Natalie, you're in Montana right now. So maybe they will come into use for you guys we're still sweating here in Texas, so I have not really gotten to wear mine yet. Um, we're almost past the season. Well, it'll be a layering piece now because Manitoba is cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys so much. And uh, if you guys would not mind sharing, if listeners are not already following you guys, where is a good place to follow or connect with you guys on email, social media, whatever it may be? You can find us uh, at the tulips. So it's T-U-L-E-P-P-S on Instagram and sometimes we're on TikTok. <laughs> we really leave the TikTok people hanging, <laughs> but we try. <laughs> and then you can, <laughs> I as well, don't go visit my TikTok page. Um, <laughs> you can find me on uh, Instagram at Natalie Kavoric. And then as I mentioned earlier, our podcast, um, so confusing, Elevate Ag or Discover Ag. <laughs> Well, thank you, ladies. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules. And I am looking forward to seeing all the incredible things that you continue to do. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having thank us. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Hey there. I Before we continue with the second half of the episode, I wanted you to know where you can get your very own pretty and gritty jacket. Head over to the link in the description, and it'll take you right to where you can shop and get yours today. It's no secret that I'm extremely passionate about agriculture and the individuals who work hard to put food down on the, our tables. In fact, 2% of the United States is involved in ag, meaning that 2% feeds 100% of our country. Head on over to www.agchicks.net to grab the latest Ag Chicks merch that continues the celebration of the industry that feeds us all. <laughs> Okay, I am so excited to have the second half of this special episode happening here today with Jenna and Kirsten. I know we had lots of good conversations in the first half, 
half of this episode and I can't wait for that to continue. Um, so if ladies, if you would not mind to tell the listeners a little bit about yourselves, um, why don't we start with Kirsten and then we can follow up with Jenna if that works for you ladies. Yes, perfect. So I am Kirsten and uh, I am a first generation rancher managing a ranch in Southern Montana currently. So I'm originally from a really rural town in Ohio. Um, I was raised riding horses and around lots of dairy cattle and have kind of found my passion for ranching throughout my adult years. Um, and over the last several years have worked my way into managing some different operations. So ranching and agriculture is something that I've always been really passionate about. Um, but I finally kind of found my place in the industry and my voice. Um, so I'm really excited to be here. I also uh, do some advocating for agriculture and talk about my ranching journey on Instagram. Um, so some people might know me better as hashtag ranch life. But um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about all the things today, but I'm so, so excited to be here. And you forgot that you're extremely cool as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. You're one to talk. You're one to talk. Oh, um, and I'm Jenna Paulette and I grew up in a ranching family, cow-calf operation on the Oklahoma-Texas line. And um, yeah, I fell in love with ranching at a young age. I guess I would be considered third generation, but I probably won't take that title fully until I am running my own operation, which is the goal for me. And right now I sing country music and songs about the West and um, this wonderful way of life. And uh, I just feel like it's part of my job to invite other people into this way of life through songs and to really live it at the same time. So I work on as many ranches as I can um, just all the time. I mean, I was just working uh, this past week in West Texas and worked on ranches in Colorado and Oklahoma and all over Texas and hope to be a lot more places before hunkering down and having my own thing. Um, yeah, so I, I love advocating for um, agriculture and um, just painting a beautiful picture of the life that we get to live and representing the rancher in country music. Yes, and Jenna, you just said, you know, painting the beautiful life that we get to live. And I think that's something that both of you ladies do incredibly well. Obviously, Jenna, you through song and the imagery and everything that you use, and then Kirsten, you as well through your page and just sharing kind of the realness and the beauty of the hard life that we tend to live. Um, so thank you, ladies, for doing that. But also, there is some congratulations in order for both of you. Uh, Kirsten, congratulations on your new um, marriage and wedding. It was absolutely Thank stunning. You. Thank and then, you. And then Jenna, congratulations to you. You launched a uh, music video last night. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I've always said that I love what Ag Chicks has become from the podcast standpoint of getting to talk to such incredible ladies. And um, even for the guests that I've had on for multiple times, I still feel like I get something different out of every conversation that we have. And we kind of get a little bit deeper or just a little bit of a different piece of kind of to a piece of the puzzle to the story that is 
our lives, I guess. So that's one thing that I truly love about this. Um, but Kirsten, I kind of want to go back to some things you said in the beginning, as far as being a first generation rancher, and then Jenna will kind of come back to you as being um, third generation, but not really wanting to claim it completely yet. But Kirsten, what kind of was something that made you decide, you know, you had an agricultural background in terms of the dairy cattle, horses, all that. What made you decide ranching was really kind of the route you wanted to take in all of this? Yeah, so um, I always say long story short, but it always ends up being a long story anyway. <laughs> so I'll try, I'll try to, to keep it short. But um, yeah, basically when I was in college, um, I rode horses in college, went to college in a pretty rural town in Ohio. Um, I went for exercise physiology and do have a bachelor's in that. Um, the plan was always to be a physical therapist. And um, when I was a senior, all of my classmates were applying to grad school and I was in the process of doing the same. I took the GRE, I you know, chose some schools to go to, things like that. And I remember specifically everybody being so excited and so anxious to talk about like this next phase of school and of life. And I remember sitting in the classroom um, in Athens, Ohio and staring out the window and being like, I just wanna be out there. I wanna be riding. I wanna be in the mountains. Um, when I was really little, my family actually went on vacation to a ranch in Colorado. And I always joked that someday I would go back there and manage the ranch and run the horses and that would be my job. And so I had this idea when I was a senior, I told my parents, I was like, I don't think I wanna go to PT school. I think I wanna move to Colorado and work at Drowsy Water. Um, and they were actually really supportive, which was so, so cool. So I remember applying and I got the job. I was in class when I got the call in college. I actually went outside and like cried. <laughs> and everybody, of course, thought I was like going to some amazing PT school. And I was like, I'm going to ride horses in the mountains and whatever. <laughs> so anyways, long story short, I worked there for five years. I did work my way into kind of a management role. Um, so we had about 125 horses and a pretty big herd of beef cattle, not huge by any means, but um, big enough to be kind of a functioning working ranch when they weren't hosting guests through the summer months. So while there, I learned everything about uh, branding and tagging and vaccinating and really just the process of running a cow-calf operation. Um, and it was great because it was on a smaller scale than most ranches out west. Um, as far as the cattle stuff. And I just remember being so just enthralled by the whole thing. Um, growing up showing horses in Ohio, it's just so different. You know, my horse lived in a stall when it was hot, we brought out the fan. When it was cold, we brought out the blanket. You know, she went outside a couple hours a day. And here I was running this huge herd of horses who lived solely outdoors, um, lived off the land. You know, if they were hungry, we moved them to a pasture with more grass. And to me, like, as a Midwestern kid, that was just such a crazy concept. Like it was hard to even describe to people from back home. And I was just like, so, so passionate about it. And that's where it really began. Um, I met who is now my husband um, at that ranch. We worked there together and we kind of got to a phase in our lives where we didn't want to work seasonally anymore. So we started, you know, doing different things. We worked at some hunting ranches. We lived in the Midwest for a while. Um, but every time I would get a job, no matter how much they paid me or how cool the location was, if I wasn't doing something with horses or cattle or agriculture, 
I just couldn't stay. I never found myself feeling totally fulfilled. So I knew that that's really where I was meant to be. Um, and eventually all of the prayers and the stars just aligned and we got offered a position together to manage a ranch in Montana. So that was really, really the end goal. Um, so we moved out here and then we got engaged and we got married and here we are today. So um, like I said, long, long story, very short, but um, yeah, it's just something that I just really felt was like on my heart and always has been. Um, so I really just held on to that and never let go. And it's, it's gotten me to where kind of I am now. So it's been, it's been a fun, but long journey. So. Love it. I know that's great. And I've often said, you know, you don't really choose agriculture. It kind of chooses you. Um, and once it's in your blood, it's really hard to get away from. Even when you try, sometimes it's always there. Um, and so, Jen, I know you have a similar experience as far as going to college for something not related to necessarily what you're doing. And I know if you want to know how it does connect, go back and listen to our pre previous episode, because it really does if you think about it. Um, but can yeah. maybe you explain how kind of all of the pieces of your path kind of has brought you to where you are now and how you're still trying to connect it to the ranching side of things as well? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like. Allison said, you can go back and listen to my episode if you want this answer in more detail. But um, I went to school for uh, advertising, graphic design, and, and branding. So a visual communications degree. And I prayed for a full ride scholarship to where I was supposed to go to school. And um, I got my degree at Savannah College of Art and Design, which felt so random to me. I like savannah georgia i didn't even really think about georgia as a place um because i'm from texas like you just don't think you're gonna leave you know that middle and western part of the united states and i think it got me closer to nashville i always knew i wanted to sing country music um but my dad really valued getting a degree which i appreciate so much because uh, my education has helped me so much in my career in ways that i did not expect and i was talking to my dad and um, trying to pick a major at a school that only had one BA, everything else was a Bachelor of Fine Arts, and <clears throat> found that degree and was like, well, I'm just going to apply everything that I'm doing to country music. I knew that I wanted to do that. And it really helped me figure out how to tell a story and be consistent with, um, with the story that I am telling in the way that it's being presented. And honestly, when I got to town in Nashville, people would be like, oh, cowgirl. And then they would me songs that were so cheesy. I did not <laughs> like, this is what you think of cowgirl? What in the world? You know, people just didn't think we really existed anymore. And so they were writing from a perspective that was what they thought our perspective is. And it was so far off from the real thing. And I knew that there are so many other girls like me that I was like, okay, well, we're just going to have to show them what a modern cowgirl looks and sounds like and and what she believes and um, how it connects to real life. And so that degree helped me figure out how to, you know, in one sentence, in one picture, communicate what that looks and feels like and um, help me write songs that would communicate that to the world of country music and then hopefully far beyond. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so that and then al also... I felt like at first that I couldn't bring the ranching side of me 
into things, even though it was such an integral part of who I am. Um, because people, like I said, their reaction when I said cowgirl was like almost like off put by the word. And I was like, weird. And then I decided that it's just freaking part of my story and that I wanted to own it and communicate what that modern cowgirl looks and sounds like. Um, and it really became the backbone of what I do. And that is so freaking cool because I don't think I realized that there were so many girls that feel like me about agriculture. And um, I mean, the days that I was out there with my dad, the days that I've been working cattle, cattle with my sister, they are the days that I felt the most like myself, the most grounded, the most at peace. And I think our culture has gotten so far away from that, that that degree has helped me figure out how to communicate again and connect them again to their roots and to really something that I just think is human. Um, and gives people a way to feel things that um, technology is kind of stripped away from us. So I think God was so purposeful in the degree that I got because it's helped me kind of communicate all the things that actually really matter to me um, in a very real way through music. And it's really circle because I don't think I would have ever gone um, getting a degree in visual communications from an art school and this is how it's going to be used for good. Um, but that is how it's been used for good. And um, it's really cool even, you know, being here in Nashville. I'm, I'm in Nashville right now. Um, being able to go into a room and, and talk to people about um, vaccinating and <laughs> working cattle and yeah. how we really feel about their animals. And, um, and then even two weeks ago, I was in a write with uh, Casey Beathard, who's like, just an incredible person, first of all, but second of all, just a Grammy win winning songwriter. I mean, he's just amazing. And I said to him, you know, uh, I want to pull a George Strait on this plate and able to tour on a high level and ranch on a high level and really do both. And he said, Jenna, you're doing it. You're doing it right now. You were just working on a ranch in West Texas and then you came back and you're writing songs. You're doing it. And I was oh, <laughs> just like, this is wild. Like, this is a dream come true. And yeah, it just kind of all led me to here. And it made music mean something more than just music. Because I think it can be really shallow nowadays. It's based on an algorithm. It's based on, you know, things that I just don't think matter as much as agriculture and what I get to represent matters. So, um, so yeah, it all kind of worked together. And I'm really thankful for it. Yeah, and I think both of you ladies have done such an incredible way of telling your story in a unique and creative way that feels authentic to you. Um, and I think that, like you just said, that is hard to do in today's society, um, just in technology and so many things. And I always say that social media is kind of like the double-edged sword. Like, I yeah. love that it gives me the ability to communicate with so many people, but I also hate that I feel so tied to it. Um, yeah feeling like we have to put things out constantly um but from from a standpoint of because my biggest question is you know how do we as an industry better communicate with consumers and so I think the ways that both of you ladies are doing it in your own unique ways are helping us kind of move the needle forward and so thank you for that and uh I appreciate how you guys are doing it and, and continuing to advocate for our industry because I think it's definitely an industry worth fighting for right <laughs> we all have to eat yes <laughs>
<laughs> those are our bodies. I mean, like we can't even wear a shirt without a farmer. Exactly. Exactly. And I kind of want to go back to something too, that you guys both had in common in terms of like working on ranches and um, helping out not necessarily on, obviously on your own ranch, but then obviously on other people's ranches as well. Mm-hmm. What has that been like being a woman? Um, and, and you don't have to go into the nitty gritty <laughs> of maybe some like bad stories or anything like that, if you've experienced that, but just, I think that's something that is uncommon in most situations or maybe from a general perception standpoint people just wouldn't assume it there's probably a lot more women than people realize but what has your guys' experiences been with that yeah well um sorry Kirsten do you mind if I no yeah go for it all right um (laughs) well uh I'll just keep it short and sweet but you know we work alongside men a lot which I love I I honor the man I think like I've worked my whole life with men and um, my granddad was really, and my uncle, they were both extremely educational the way that they taught me. And um, I think the way that I go into working on anybody else's property, um, especially being a woman is I would rather surprise them with what I can do than act like I've got it all together and not be able to get the job done. So I always just ask the question, how do you do it? And um, and if you see me doing something that isn't how you would have it done, this is your place. You tell me what you want. And um, and usually it just works out so much better that way because they respect that that's the stance that I take. And, and then um, also I get to learn a bunch of different ways that it gets done that maybe my family didn't do. And you know, there's a million ways to skin a cat. Like that's just the way that it is. And, um, and it's okay that things get done differently. And I always learn something, um, in that scenario. So I just let people kind of not boss me around, but, but inform me as to how that they would like things done on their property. And then I do it their way uh, or try to, and then, um, and I don't get treated poorly because of that. But even, even if somebody is like, yelling at me because you know I've let a cow by that shouldn't have got by you know whatever it's you just can't take anything personally in those intense situations because there's just it's never going to be perfect I mean when things go really smoothly you're like okay is a car going to break down later <laughs> you know like, <laughs> or, like so I just like uh, a way to I think agriculture just makes you kind of tougher like you have to be able to um, take direction and listen, um, and be humble. And then, um, in those higher stakes situations where you're working cows or you're sorting or, you know, whatever, um, just not being offended, um, when people are telling you where you need to be and and what they want you to do and how they want you to do it. So, yeah, I don't know it. And being a woman, I think it, it's a a better picture of being a female, when we can take direction really well and then um, mold to whatever situation you need to be in and, and get the job done and do it right and right for them. Right. Be adaptable, really, right? Yes. Yeah. So just to kind of reiterate what Jenna was saying as well, um, I think that honestly, like being in, in a management position these last few years, I so, so value anybody that comes to our operation, male or female, that asks how we do things. Because truly, there are so many ways, like, 
even just places I have worked, places I've been around, every single place, you know, fills the vaccination guns differently. <laughs> every yeah. single place, like brands differently, ropes differently, like rides their horses differently. Like it's, it sounds like such a funny thing, but every time I start working for somebody, if I'm riding one of their horses or something, I say, you know, how, how do you, you know, put on the saddle? You're using the pin, you're doing a cowboy knot. You know, it's like, it sounds so silly, but some people just have a preference. And yeah. some people I work for have been so open-minded. They say, I brought you here for a reason. You know, yeah. you do what you think's right. Make the call. Other people are like, well, of course it's this way. You know, like, and I've also, being a woman, I've noticed that there are two very distinct types of men in the ranching industry. There's the men that are very skeptical of women, kind of a very weary that, you know, can, can you do this because you're female? Like who, you know, hand me a flag in the sorting alley and they're kind of like, mm, should you take this and stand there? All 120 pounds of you, like, are you going to jump in front of this mama when I try to get her, you know, away from her baby? And then there's, other men that I've worked for that are so completely empowering, you know, I, for example, I worked and managed um, a beef cattle ranch in Northern Alabama, and it was definitely very old school Southern roots. Um, my boss was one of those guys that was so, so, so empowering. Um, but there were tons of men that worked with us, day workers and such that we're very skeptical. So, you know, we would work cattle and I'd be up by the chute doing, you know, trying to tag something and literally sitting on like the bar that holds the head up, you know, because that's the only way I could keep it down was sitting on it with my whole body. <laughs> and the guys were like, should she be up there? And my boss is like, yes, she should not be anywhere else right now. And just one of those things where it's like, you really need to just find those guys that are empowering you and treating you as the value that you are and proving through your actions and your skills to those guys that aren't that like it doesn't matter male female you know big small <laughs> whatever because I always get a lot of scrutiny because I'm I'm a small person you know I can't help it but I'm I'm not I'm not big in in really any way so a lot of times with the big tasks you know it's like well can you throw the mineral out it's like yeah I can but you know, I don't need to explain that. I'm just going to go do it and do it well and come back and, you know, be, be valuable that way. So I think just like Jenna said as well, like really proving what you can do through your actions instead of coming and being like, well, I can do whatever you need. You know, it's like, I'm really comfortable doing this. I'm not so comfortable doing that. I'd love to try. I'd love to learn, but you need to be open-minded and teach me in, in the best way possible. So I, I think that's kind of my approach at least and what's given me the most success because you definitely do face a little a little scrutiny, unfortunately, but not everywhere. And I do think it's improving and the guys are realizing that girls are are, are helpful and that we're here to stay. So yeah. Um and one more thing I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, you know, working cattle um or you know gathering or anything like that I tend to be more hang back than than like push 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 because scattering is a pain in the butt when it happens mm -hmm. and I think women tend to be a little bit more like that or at least the ones that I've worked around yeah. and um so I I don't know I think there's something to learn from us too in 
the way that we handle cattle too. Um, and I, that might not be true across the board, but I've noticed it in a lot of situations that I've been in uh, when we're, you know, gathering horseback. You obviously you need to be in the right place and put pressure when you need to put pressure. But, um, but in gathering or anything like that, it's also valuable to know when to hang back. And I think women are good at that. Um, For sure. Effective. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. Just coattail. No, I would- <laughs> I would totally agree. I think uh, women overall with stocksmanship and horsemanship just have a little more of a delicate approach, which I yeah. think is needed sometimes, especially yeah. in these multi-generational operations where yeah. it's like, and you know this best, Jenna, like granddad's done it this way and everybody's yeah. like, we are not crossing him, but <laughs> granddad's also going to look to his granddaughter and be like, well, you know, the side that she's on has the cattle under control. So, you know, it's just having like kind of a a nice, delicate approach, I think is just so important. Because I've worked with so many guys where it's like this macho show and it's like, who can run up to the cows the the quickest and, you know, oh my gosh. And it's like, okay, we're not here to cowboy. We're here to be cattlemen and cattlewomen and let's all relax. Like you're not any cooler than anyone else, especially if you're the one that's scaring all the cows away. Yeah. Yeah. So that balance. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I could not agree more, uh, with you guys. I'm sitting here laughing (laughs) because, uh, I just think about experiences and instances that I've been involved in. I think as women, we just bring a different perspective, right? We just think, we think differently, not good or bad sometimes, but we just think differently. And so to have that female perspective on things, I think, uh, from an operational standpoint is helpful, um, across the board. And I'm sitting here thinking about an an experience on the livestock judging team when we had to go sort some cows to make a class and the six girls had their had our set ready and to go and the guys were still chasing them around the pasture and just <laughs> you know that just stuff like that and working working yeah. cattle with my family and all that so um yes I could not agree more and kind of along those same lines you know this whole campaign was really about celebrating women in the sense that we're beautiful because we're women but we're also just as gritty as men and we can do whatever we need to do um so what what would you ladies say has really been, you know, some determining factors in, in building your grit as kind of a woman in our industry? Kirsten, you want to take this one first? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I really think that this kind of rolls off of a lot of the stuff we were just talking about, kind of like the male versus female roles too. Um, like being in a place where you have to really prove your worth through your actions um, has to me really built a lot of grit and a lot of strength and, and really given me kind of a solid backbone. Cause also like Jenna said before, you really, you have to be able to take criticism. You have to be able to react in high pressure situations, you know, male, female, or otherwise, like there is tension no matter what, you know, even kids I've worked on operations where the owner was adamant that his kids be involved. I love that because I love that they're learning and being exposed at a young age, but people lose patience with, with kids, especially when they're like flinging flags around, you know, when there's no, nothing to be flagged that, you know, whatever. So I think really just being patient, being able to read those situations and really being able to stick in there when 
the pressure is high, whether it's pressure from the cattle, pressure from the job, pressure from the people, the men, women, you know, that you're working with. Um, I am like a super high anxiety person. So going into a new operation and trying to figure out, you know, how they want things done, whether I'm working there for the day or full time, um, is so, so stressful for me because I'm such a perfectionist. So it's been a huge builder for me of character, of grit, um, to really just focus on what needs to be done, how it needs to be done for that place that I'm working and kind of setting aside, you know, using obviously the things I've learned and the tools, um, over the years to kind of, you know, get through those things, but really being open to having, you know, having these new ways kind of put upon me. I think having as many different tools in our toolkit as we can is so, so important. And that's one thing that I've really valued is the last like few places that I've worked have really been open-minded to trying new things, you know, and, and saying like, there, there isn't just one way to do this. And we're going to try to do it in an even better way, better for the cattle, better for the land. Um, and I think that's so, so important. So like I said, being really open-minded and really trying to soak all the information in, but then know when to use that information um, has really made me feel <laughs> gritty. I don't know if, I'm, if I would ever describe myself as gritty at this point, but I've definitely had my moments. You know, I always joke that I'm not a whole hand, but I'm good for at least a few fingers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll leave you with that. But yeah, I think just being really adaptable and and really um, trying to be as valuable as possible, knowing when you know to use your skills and and what skills to use. So hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully. <laughs> um, sorry that my phone went off. I feel like everybody in the world is calling me right now. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I guess gritty for me is that like, I mean, I, I knew growing up that if I acted like I was hurt or something, like my uncle and my granddad probably wouldn't invite me back. <laughs> so I like had an entire gate rust off its hinges and broke my foot working cattle and just kept going, which was <laughs> stupid. I mean, it's really dumb, but um it made me, I don't know, like, also, I think women, we deal with pain on a more regular basis, because we have periods. And like, that's just a real do it you like mentally and physically, we deal with not feeling great. Um, and wanting to cry. And, you know, a lot of things I'm just being real, we're talking like, we're women, this is something that sets us apart. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and I think that has made me extremely um, gritty. And, you know, you have to saddle up. If there's a job that needs to get done, you have to get on your horse that morning, whether you're cold or not, whether you're cramping or not, whether your hormones are out of control. Like, there's just, like, a different – you just have to be mentally tough and you have to be physically tough. And, um, yeah, and I, I guess being put in situations where, you know, I have gotten hurt and – I have needed to just keep going to get the job done. I mean, obviously not always is it smart to do that and you have to know when to quit. But, um, but I think there's just a, 
toughness that comes with being a woman because of what we have to endure on a monthly and weekly basis um, that, I don't know, I don't know, gives us <laughs> something to, you know, hold a standard of pain to and like what we can tolerate um, and, and keep going. And um, I don't know, I think that's a special thing. I think it can be a total gift. Um, obviously it is a pain in the butt sometimes too but yeah I I think it's made me you know test my limits and and know what I'm capable of and um, I also think women were you know if we've got kids and I don't yet but all of these women like Marion Wine and Natalie Kovarik and you know just all of these women that I look up to in the ag industry and in the ranching industry um, that have children that they take them all the time. You're dealing with not only your own emotions, but two little people who don't even understand themselves. And, um, and I think that makes you extremely gritty too. Uh, and yeah, I just think there's a lot to handle with bodies and then with managing, uh, other people within our families and, you know, men, they're very task oriented and, that's a beautiful thing too, because it just, you know, gets something done quicker. Um, but women, there's a million tasks and then other people that we manage emotionally and physically. And that is, you know, another thing in and of itself that adds to the grittiness and the way that God made us to handle a lot of situations. Yeah, I think it, for me, I think my definition of it definitely echoes the things that you ladies said. And also I think it's the ability to have, have kind of multidimensional personal, not maybe not personalities, but um, ways we can handle life. Right. Again, yeah. I don't, I don't have children either, but to be able to be nurturing to a child, but then turn around and shove bowls up the alley, you know, I mean, who else can do that? But women in ag, <laughs> like that's crazy to me makes me so proud. I literally got chills when you said that because, I mean, it's just, it, it's a different kind of, it takes a different kind of person to be able to do that. And I don't know, it's pretty fierce. I'm really proud to be in the Yes, me too. Um, and kind of to wrap up here, ladies, I would love to get your advice to maybe any younger women who are listening to this or wanting to be a part of this industry, maybe what's something that you would share with them to kind of finish us off here today? Yeah. Um, find somebody that is willing to teach you and they are out there. We want yes. you around. We want to teach people. Um, I've, there have been so many people that I work alongside who have taken me under their wing and um, including my own, grandfather and uncle who shaped my view of ranching very very much you know regenerative ranching and the grass and the soil and you know all these things that make the earth a better place and just find somebody that wants to teach you like that and that will take the time and go slower because you are learning and um and that will push you to to learn and, and expect you to rise to the occasion um they're out there and we're, we're all eager to expand um, this way of life and, and uh, make it available to as many people as possible. Because, I mean, there's that reel that's going around right now that um, is 
talking about how, you know, one, 1%, I can't remember the um, exact statistic, but 1.5% or something like that is feeding 330 million people. That is crazy. Like we're, we all want you to be a part of this industry and to find somebody that's willing to teach you and get as much knowledge as you can on your own. I mean, I've, I listen to podcasts all the time about cattle, about range management, about, you know, the scientific side of what we do. Um, it's all out there. It's easy to find. And there are a million books that you can read and programs that you can go through. Like NCBA has the uh, BQA certification thing. So if you don't know how to move cows or what's, you know, good practice, go get certified in that. It's online and easy. I mean, there's just so many resources that are helpful to people um, that are learning and um, just know that you're welcome here. Well, Jenna took all the words out of my mouth. <laughs> Literally, my, always my send off, like, it's great advice, I feel like for anyone, but especially like people always ask me, like, being a first generation rancher, like, how did you even get into the field? And it's like, honestly, there are these like gates to me to like agriculture and ranching. And there are definitely people that are like, gates shut, figure it out. Like, we're not telling you all of our secrets. And then there's other people whose gates are wide open and those are your people. So find those people, um, you know, really just immerse yourself in the industry. Just like she said, that's exactly what I did. I did the BQA course. I took the masters of beef advocacy course. You know, I joined some local cattle women's groups to meet like-minded gals, you know, women that are actually living it and breathing it. You know, it's so, so important to really feel that sense of community and find those people that welcoming, welcome you into that community, you know, um, being able to learn and expand your knowledge as a first generation rancher or a seventh generation rancher is huge. The biggest issue I think in our industry right now is like the closed minded, like we're always done it this way. That's the only way to do it kind of thing, because it's just not technologies change. The the earth changes, (laughs) cattle change, you know, it's just, yes, some things keep, keep the tradition, keep it tried and true, but a lot of things you can improve you know, there's new ways to do it and always being available to teach and expand your knowledge is huge. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm just saying everything she said, but those are all amazing tips and always tips that I feel like I've followed myself and that I often tell people, I have so many people message me on Instagram. That's like, I get like two questions all the time. Like, how did you get into the ranching industry? And is Montana really like Yellowstone? (laughs) (laughs) So those are the two things I will address the one here and not the other (laughs) because it's very (laughs) ridiculous anyways. But um, yeah, so I think really the big thing is finding somebody that will offer you advice and, and allow you to come and learn and be really understanding about the fact that you are learning, you know, Um, anybody that's willing to take an extra minute to explain why or how to do something, keep them around, (laughs) keep them in your phone book. Cause that's, that's the kind of people that we, that we need and that we want. Yes. I could not agree more with the things you ladies just mentioned. I, um, 
Yeah, and and one of the things I think too we sometimes get caught up in is you know preserving the Western tradition and like this whole idea about just preserving like the beauty and the romance of it. And I think we can do that, but also be open to change and adaptation of the world we live in. And honestly, I think that's the only way we are going to be able to preserve it is if we do kind of update with the world around us. Yeah, totally for sure. Well, ladies, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to sit down and chat with me today. I appreciate you so much and appreciate what you are both doing. Um, what are a, are some ways that people could uh, connect or follow along if they are looking to do so? Go ahead, Kirsten. Okay, so I am on Instagram as hashtag ranch life. Um, I also do have a website. I have done a terrible job of updating it, but it's still there. It has good, good info and links to some of my favorite things and some of the different stuff that we've talked about today. Um, so that's hashtag ranchlifekirsten.com. Um, but yeah, that's me. Thank you so, so much, Ali. This has been amazing. Um, I'm excited that I got to catch up with Jenna because I feel like I haven't got to talk to her in a while. Um, <laughs> yes yes so thank you thank you and um yeah I can't wait to get get the word out to everybody and just kind of continue advocating so this is amazing thanks again um and you can find me wherever you listen to music um just Jennifer <laughs> j-e-n-n-a a-u-l-e-t-t-e -T -T -E. um and then just across all social media platforms tiktok um, Instagram, um, everything else, just type in my name and you'll find me. Um, and then my website also will have touring updates and stuff. I'm in the middle of an agent change right now. So there's like a lot of private stuff that I'm doing, but, um, yeah, I should be out on the road next year a lot. So, um, stay tuned there. If you give us your email, we'll send you updates about when we'll be in your area. Um, and yeah, um, I'm so proud to be a part of the agriculture industry in whatever way I can be and grateful for what you're doing, Allie. And, um, thank you so much for thinking of me for this and Kirsten, it's been so good to catch up with you too. Yay. <laughs> thank you ladies and continue to do the amazing things that you are doing and sharing with all of us. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at AgChicks on Instagram and Facebook and that every episode has a visual version on YouTube on the AgChicks channel.